We're going to be in Joshua chapter 8. I encourage you to open your Bibles there. This is a story about the people of God making a comeback. If you're a guest with us for the last several months, some of you are thinking forever. We've been in the uh, book of Joshua studying about how God is working through his people. And I think we can learn much from this story as well. Because everybody loves a comeback story, right? You know, in sports or in business, but maybe your mind specifically goes to sports when the team is considered down and out and you're not expecting them to win, when they're able to somehow come back and, and, and get that victory, it's just extra sweet. Everybody loves that comeback story. Well, this, that's what we see in Joshua chapter 8. In Joshua chapter 6, Israel learned at Jericho that when God is with you, it matters not how powerful the enemy may be, you can overcome. And Joshua learned in chapter 7, or Israel learned, that at Ai, when God is not with you, it matters not how small the enemy may be, you can be defeated. Israel suffered a demoralizing defeat in Joshua chapter 7, and we're told the reason why. One of their own, Achan, sinned, and he set into motion a series of actions. First, God withdrew his presence from all of Israel. And with that, they they suffered a stunning defeat. It should have been a, a sure victory, but instead, they were defeated as a nation. 36 of their own were killed. And the story goes on to reveal the judgment of God being poured out on Achan and his family. Well, today, we wrap up our study of Joshua with this great comeback. Just look at the first couple of verses. I think the message is clear about their fresh start that they was needing. And sometimes we need a fresh start, too. Joshua chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not, be defer- do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. I want you to notice the words of encouragement from God to Joshua. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, this is different from his words at the beginning of the book of Joshua. Remember? That's when he said, be strong and courageous. So now from be strong and courageous, now he's saying, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You get the picture that God knew exactly what Joshua and all of Israel needed to hear. They were not in a position to hear to be strong and courageous because they were overcome with fear and discouragement. So God speaks to that because when you've been defeated, when you're at a low point, that shame, that guilt, that regret of your defeat, it is, it is crippling. It is so overwhelming. It's on your mind. And if you've ever experienced a setback, if you've ever experienced a, cult, uh, a failure in your life, then you can understand and you appreciate these words. I put it on the screen and it's on your, blank, uh, on your outline if you want to fill in the blank. Fear and discouragement can overwhelm. I mean, fear is enough, but if you add discouragement to that, after you lose a battle, after you go through a defeat of any kind, that can be in sports, it can be in business, it can be in life, it can be true spiritually. Fear and discouragement can overwhelm you. 
We've been studying this book of Joshua, trying to understand, comprehend, and appreciate that as believers, we are to take the abundant life that Jesus promised, just as they were trying to claim their land of promise. But taking their land of promise would require, involve warfare, battles. And the same is true for us. So this section in Joshua is key. We need reminding that even after we've committed ourselves to the Lord and we've experienced some initial victories and we're doing well, sometimes we're going to have that interrupted with defeat or setbacks. And how do you react to that? How do you respond to that? Because it's not always smooth sailing. Everybody doesn't always do the right thing. Everybody isn't always faithful. And I'm speaking to every one of us. We've all had our moments You've experienced some victories, but maybe you've also had those times of defeat. Maybe you took that drink or that drug, even though you promised yourself and maybe others that you wouldn't do it. It was just too much, and you found yourself right back in the middle of it. Or maybe you returned to that website Maybe it was online gambling, maybe it was pornography, maybe it was a chat room. You know you shouldn't go, you promised yourself you wouldn't, and you fell off the wagon. Maybe you had that conversation with that person that just, it just creates that spark, even though you know it's beyond the proper boundaries. Maybe you lost your temper, and with that lost control of your tongue, and you said some things, some horrible things. Maybe you exaggerated a story to build your case to make yourself look good to your coworkers or, or your family, or maybe you tweaked the numbers to make them fit. Maybe you charged something on credit. You bought a car. Have you seen those commercials where one spouse buys a car for the other and they don't know it? I mean, who does that, right? That's not the world I live in. But buying a car, buying a house, buying clothes, you know, debt's a problem for so many. If it's for you, it's so easy to fall off the wagon. Maybe you, and you can fill in the blank. What is it for you? In defeat, fear and discouragement can overwhelm. And when that happens, when you have that setback and that fear and discouragement just come overwhelming you, then questions also follow. Doubts come right in behind. Have all my victories up to this point, are they all just null and void? Am I just back to zero? Was all that for nothing? Am I ever going to be able to live the life God wants me to live? Am I just kidding myself? Is my walk with Christ just a facade? Am I just a big hypocrite? What, what does all this mean? This sin keeps tripping me up. I thought I'd licked it. I thought I was doing better. Is this really who I am? Should I just give up and stop trying? Fear and discouragement. The two of them work together in a very powerful way, a very overwhelming way. I think it's Zig Ziglar who's quoted as saying, this is on the screen, fear is in the dark room of life, fear is the dark room of life where the negatives are developed. And you look closely at Joshua's prayer in chapter 7, and we're going to look at that again in our small groups tonight. That was inching back into Joshua's mind. You, you can read between the lines and you see that. So what is discouragement? Well, earlier in our study, we defined encouragement as, as giving heart. To someone. So then discouragement could just be the opposite, taking heart, stealing heart from someone. In Joshua chapter 7, after their defeat, it said their hearts melted. 
We get that, don't we? We know what that means. You've been in a situation where your heart just melts. That's just the best way to describe it. That's why God tells Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. The fact that Joshua 8 begins this way tells us something very awesome about God. I want to make sure you get this. It's on the screen. It's on your outline. God always wants you to come back. Now, if you need to go, just get up and go because that's the message. God always wants you to come back. And I say that because too many fall prey to the sin of Satan saying, he doesn't want you back. Your sin's too big or too much, or for too long, and there's no hope for you. That is not the message of God. That is not what Scripture teaches. Setbacks are not a reason to give up. They are an opportunity to come back to God. And that's what God wants, always. Sir Edmund Hillary, you know his name. In 1953, there's a picture on the screen of... Hillary and Tibetan climber Tenzing Norgay. They were the first, you know this, to, to climb Mount Everest. And so his, we know his name. We remember that. But that wasn't his first attempt. He failed a number of times. In fact, the, the story started coming out when he finally made it to the top about some of those defeats. And somebody mentioned it was the, the, the time just before that victorious mount... He was so defeated because he had to turn around and go back down in defeat. They were packing up base camp, and he was so frustrated with tears running down his face. He stopped, turned around to the mountain, and said, I'll be back, and I will scale you. Because you cannot get any bigger, but I can. And he did. That's exactly what we talk, we're talking about here. Like Sir Edmund Hillary, Israel made a comeback. But in Joshua chapter 8, it's a whole different nation. When Sir Edmund Hillary went back up, he was a different person. That's what we're seeing here. God did not just tell Joshua, all right now, dry your tears, try and try again. Let's come at this battle with another strategy. I know what's best for you. That's not what he says at all. This time would be different. God said, look at the rest of verse 1. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. The sin of Achan had been brought out in the open, dealt with. He faced God's judgment. And that, if I may say, chapter had been closed. Chapter 8 is a new chapter. I know we put the chapter breaks in there ourselves. Those are not inspired, but it truly, that chapter is over. So chapter 8 is a new day, and I want you to, if you're following along, three important observations I want us to learn from Joshua about making our own comeback. Now, I do need to say this. You, personally, may be rock solid with God and not need this message. I hope so. You can go too. But Stay. Because there's going to be somebody God puts in your path who's going to need to hear this. And God may use you to speak the truth of Scripture to them. When Satan's lies are going 90 miles an hour saying God's given up on them, you can be a friend, family member, co-worker to speak truth and encourage them. So here's what I want us to learn, just straight from the text. The first road to the, 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 road to the comeback begins first with choosing, choosing, to come back to God. 
You have to make that decision. If you go back to chapter 7, Achan's sin was identified and dealt with. When Achan's body was burned and buried under those stones, get this, God's anger was also buried, over, finished, no more. Justice had been served, penalty had been paid. It is truly a new chapter. It is a new day. When they battled Ai the first time, they were not ready. They were not ready because God had left them. Sin was in the camp. They did not have peace with God. Israel was not ready for any battle until they had the peace and the presence of God. And neither are we. That's what we're learning in this. You're not ready for a battle. You're not ready for life. It was God who gives the victory. And it's the presence of God that makes you able to withstand. That's why the road to a comeback begins with choosing to come back to God. Well, here's the second one. Coming back to God means addressing the sin that separates us from him. So first you make the decision, and then second, you're honest about how you blew it, how you stepped out, how how you made the mistake, what your sin is. We identify the sin that separates us from him, and we acknowledge it. The Bible calls that confession. That could be a whole other study, but I think you know that. We also must acknowledge our guilt, that we deserve to be punished. We did it. It's our fault, and we want to change The Bible calls that repentance. So we confess, we repent, and this is where Jesus comes in the picture. Instead of his judgment, instead of God's judgment being faced on us because we're guilty, we did it, we deserve the punishment, Jesus steps in, he came to earth. Remember we talked about this from John chapter 1? He pitched his tent. He says, you stand in front of my tent. I'll stand in front of your tent. I'll take your sin debt. I'll take the blame for you. I'll die for you. He lived that sinless life so he can offer his righteousness to us. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. He satisfies the requirement for our sin. That's why coming back to God begins with identifying your sin. You need help. You need saving. You need somebody to to take care that's what justice demands and we have the opportunity to be restored to God and at peace with him see before you can move on before you can have success with with future struggles and battles God wants to deliver you from the previous battle that you failed you need to deal with that first that's why they could not defeat Ai until the sin of Achan was dealt with That's why the road to the comeback involves addressing the sin problem. If you've not marked this passage in your Bible, I'm going to encourage you to do that today. 1 John, actually the whole chapter is great. uh, Verses 5 through 10 are awesome, but look on the screen at verses 8 through 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's why we love scripture because it's just so honest. It's so real. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All of us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, and there's that word, just. He's faithful and just, and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. It starts with confession. It's followed up with repentance. It's only when we deal with our past 
that we can keep that from tripping us up in the future. Now, this is not some idealistic view. This is the way God made us. Look what David wrote. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Covered how? By Jesus' righteousness. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then... I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, again, Satan will lie to you, and culture will tell you, you don't have to do that. I mean, that was yesterday. Just forget about that. Just move on. Just do better next time. That is not the way of God. You cannot break free of your past with God and to acknowledge what you've done. And the only way to move past is to acknowledge it, admit it, come clean. They could not take Ai. They would never take Ai until they came clean with God. So if you really want to move on, you got to open up. And folks, there's something about us. We love that when somebody just comes clean. Especially like if you know they messed up and they're denying it and they're, they're trying to cover it up and you know it, you, you just lose respect for them. But if somebody it can be on the field, it can be at work, it can be alive, and they say, I blew it. Now, you don't enjoy it, but you respect it, and you love them. Be honest. Come clean. That's what God is saying to us. So Joshua chapter 8 is an incredible story of a wonderful comeback. Now, again, we know the chapter breaks. Those were man-made. We put those in there. So those are not inspired. But if you know anything about Hebrew numerology... Chapter 8 means new beginning. Even in our culture, numbers have associations and meanings. You ever heard of a filing, Chapter 11? Bankruptcy? You ever want to have to go there? But all you have to say is Chapter 11, and our brains go there. We understand the association. So maybe today we can redefine Chapter 8 and think about Chapter 8 as, as meaning a new beginning. Spiritually speaking, how many of us have faced an AI and lost? How many can relate to how Joshua and all of Israel were feeling? They had a reason to be filled with fear. They had a reason to be discouraged. They got defeated as a nation. 36 of their own died, and they were scratching their heads wondering why. Maybe you've suffered loss like that, a battle like that, defeat like that. And you're sitting back going, why did my marriage fail? Why does my adult child not, not talk to me anymore? Maybe you made poor decisions and now you're in a financial setback. Or maybe it's that besetting sin that's tripped you up yet once again. And if you're feeling spiritually bankrupt without hope, don't give up. You need a chapter 8. Let me remind you of some other chapter 8s in the Bible. Look on the screen, John 8, 11. You remember the story? Woman caught in adultery. The very act, no defense, she's guilty. Jesus said just the right words to her. Woman, has no one condemned you? Because the words he said, they all left. And she said, no one, sir. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. 
Go now and leave your life of sin. Chapter 8, new beginning. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus. Anybody need a new beginning? Anybody need a, a, a chapter 8? Because the enemy doesn't want you to think about that a comeback is even available. Too far gone. Too late. Your sin's too big. You can never overcome. He will do everything he can to take away your courage and to fill you with fear. But that is not the message of Scripture. So when you hear somebody speak that kind of language, will you be bold enough to speak truth to them? Or maybe for yourself just to hear truth of Scripture? Lamentations 3 says God's mercies are new every morning. You get a new beginning every morning. John 10, 10, we've used this verse a number of times in our study. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How are you doing in living the abundant life that Jesus wants you to have? Or if you blow it, can you come back? Even though it's your fault, it was your choice, you did it. Now, others may have done it with you or others deceived you, but it's your fault. Can you come back? How can you not be disheartened with that? How can you not be discouraged? But with God, it's always a new day. God's message to you, just like Joshua when he prayed, you remember? He said, get up. That's God's message to get up and get dressed. You put on the righteousness of Jesus. You stand in front of his tent. You know that he's made a way. Because you can never do it on your own. You can never be sinless. Because you wear his righteousness, you can say, now go and live your life of sin. Because you wear his righteousness, there is no condemnation. With that breastplate of righteousness, you remember that's the way it's worded in Ephesians about the armor of God, that breastplate it's guarding your heart. It's guarding your heart. That's why you're not disheartened or discouraged because that breastplate of righteousness, you're walking in Him. So from Joshua 8 to John 8 to Romans 8, you're living that life of a new beginning. You're not held hostage by yourself. Are you aware? Yes. Sometimes it's public and everybody knows them. But it's not who you are. It's not your identity. It's your past. Did we learn anything from watching Saul become Paul? What a past he had, right? Murdering Christians who became one of the greatest missionaries we've ever heard about, read about. One more. Making a comeback is more about trusting God than just working a program. Hang with me because I want to make sure we get this. And I put working a program, follow, follow with me. I want you to understand trusting God is taking God at his word. We talked about that earlier in our Joshua study. Did you notice, though, as we compare the first battle of Ai and the second battle of Ai, and even back, back to Jericho, the similarities and the differences here, He said, I've delivered the city into your hands. It's as good as done. I have delivered the city. Victory is yours. 
But he gives Joshua different orders this time, comparing Ai with, with Jericho. Same God, same promise, but the deliverance came with a different strategy. Here's the point, and I hope you know, God is bigger than our definitions. God is bigger than our outlines. He is bigger than our list. See, there's something about our humanness that we, we tend to want to systematize God and even limit God and put him in a box. We wrongly assume that God only works in one direction in one way because we read it one time in Scripture. And yet here in the same book, we're reading different ways how God works. For example... If, if you struggle with that, does it bother you when you read about Jesus healing that he didn't always heal in the same way? Sometimes he would pray. Sometimes he would speak the word. Sometimes he would spit. Sometimes he would touch. Why didn't he do it all the same way? He didn't have to. He's Jesus. He's the son of God. He could do it his own way. God will not be put in a box. See, there are times where God works in conventional ways. An ambush was a conventional military strategy. But it was no less God working and giving the victory than the marching around the chapter before. Do we understand that? It's the same God working. God said, I've delivered the city into your hands. Will we ever learn to let God be God? To look at him with belief, full of faith, and yet awesome wonder, saying, I still don't fully get how great you are, but I believe that you've got me. So if God has me doing something quite conventional, I do so by faith, believing he is able and if God has me doing something unconventional, I do so by faith, knowing he is able. It's about trusting God, taking him at his word. Because here's the next thing I want you to see. In verse 2, Joshua 8, verse 2. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourself. Now, remember, in Jericho, they were not allowed to do that. Everything they gathered was to be devoted for destruction, given to the Lord. That was the plan. That was the command. And now God says, as you take the city, it's all yours for the taking. A whole different set of rules here. Am I the only one who's thinking about Achan? You remember Achan? He's the one who, he saw it. And he thought, nobody will miss it. I'll take a few things and hide it under my tent. If only, if only Achan had trusted God in Jericho, he would have discovered, experienced that there was plenty for him in Ai. Achan died trying to take for himself what God was planning to give him in Ai. If only Achan had trusted God. Is that not the core of why we all sin? It's a failure to trust God. When you choose 
sin over God is disobedience. And again and again we see in Scripture, disobedience is the same as unbelief. That's what he calls it. Could it be that Achan was limiting God? Was he systematizing God? Was he making God a God of programs? I know how God works. He's going to give us victory, but we're going to have to gather all the plunder and, and give it to the, temp, to the tabernacle. Give it to God. Because that's what we did the first time. God demands obedience. God expects obedience. And there's no getting around that. So, so hear that. But following God is not just about keeping the rules. Do you understand that one as well? It's more than just keeping the rules. It's about loving Him and trusting Him and believing that His ways are best. Sometimes we're going to read His ways and go, yeah, that makes sense. And it's going to be easy to follow and obey because His ways make sense. Sometimes we're going to read His instructions and I think I see a better way. Or in this situation, maybe I can come at it and do it a little differently than what God describes. But the Bible is clear. Think about what we know. Go all the way back to Abraham. When God tells you to leave for an unknown country, you go. When God tells you at age 75 that you're going to have a child, you wait. When that child is finally born to you and you're promised that through his seed all the world's going to be blessed. And then he says, but I want you to offer that child to me. Take his life. You build an altar. When Jesus came and pitched his tent and lived among us and talked about life in his kingdom, he says to his disciples, turn the other cheek. What do you do? You turn your head. When he tells you to go the second mile, you march. When he tells you to forgive as you've been forgiving, you let it go. When he tells you to take up your cross, you take it up. Just before he ascended, he told his disciples to go and share the good news and make disciples. Teach them about me, he said, and baptize them. So when someone tells you about Jesus and they bring up baptism, what do you do? You're baptized. That's what you do. God always wants you to come back. And when you choose to come back to the Lord, He washes you clean. He fills you with His Spirit. And He renews His promise. He'll never leave you. Now, you can leave Him, but He will never leave you. This morning, if you need baptism, if you need prayer, you need to come back to the Lord. We're going to stand and sing this song to encourage you. Oh, Lord.